Saving Delaware History podcast, hopefully on purpose. I'm still your host, Madeline Messer, and today I have the pleasure of hosting Claudia Leister, Museum Director of the Milford Museum. This museum building is located in downtown Milford, Delaware, and is owned by Delaware's Historical and Cultural Affairs. Now, do you, do you know my background? I don't think I do. Could you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> I worked for HCA for 34 years. I was the collections manager. I was the first collections manager. <laughs> I, I started at the Island Field Museum when it was still open back in 1977. So my whole background is working for the state for museums. And then after I retired, then they grabbed me here at Milford and said, we need your help because they had no inventory, not a clue what was in the collections here. So I'm, I'm having fun helping them get organized. What made you uh, retire from the state work? Uh, I, th I had 34 years. I had been there long enough, wanted uh, uh, something a little different anyway, and not full time. And you got that working down in Milford. Yep. So I work part time four days a week. Nice. So what is sort of Milford Museum like the inside and the outside? Um, the building itself was Milford's first post office. It was built in 1910 and then used as the post office until 1963 when they built a new one. After that, Health and Social Services was in here for 20 years, and it's been the museum since 1983. Uh, technically, the building is owned by the state by, and by HCA because uh, it was a federal building. So that works out well for me because any physical things that need to be fixed, like the HVAC system in the roof, then they have to take care of, and I don't have to find the funds to do it. But our mission is to share Milford area history. There's really a large collection that has been gathered over the years. And so, as I said, there was never even an inventory to start with. So I started with square one, trying to figure out which was what connected to who might have donated it in the past. And uh, even before that, uh, the Milford Historical Society and the Milford Museum are two different um, entities. The Historical Society was started um, to let the Drapers give the Parsonthorne Mansion to a, a nonprofit group. And it's a historic house museum. And they soon realized that, oh, we really need a Milford Museum to share the other things. So one of the um, ladies who was involved back in the, the late 60s, early 70s, um, went to the city and to the state and said, can we get the, the old post office as a museum? So that's how that has worked out as two separate groups. What was that mansion you were mentioning that was being given to the Milford Historical Society? Par the, the Parson Thorne Mansion. Reverend Thorne was um, one of the two founders, co-founders kind of of Milford, uh, um, along with Joseph Oliver uh, back in the, the 1700s. And so this was his, the, really one of the oldest historic homes that's on the North Milford side because the Miss Pillion River in the middle of Milford divides the two counties, divides Kent and Sussex. So technically we were on the Sussex County side and um, it, it later became one town instead of two separate places. <laughs> but that's another part of Milford history. So before the post office was acquired to make this museum, where were all the collections stored? Um, some of them, I mean, there wasn't that much. I mean, things were given to the historical society and were like kept in a room over there. And um, then, then things were, were moved here, yes. Can we talk about what exhibits are on display right now? 
Sure. Uh, the newest exhibit that just opened the beginning of this year is called Then and Now. And it really kind of started with my looking at the objects we had, one in particular, it's this huge permanent wave hair machine. Looks like something out of Frankenstein. Um, you would sit there with all of this stuff attached to your head. And I thought, I want to put this on display. People are going to love it. So that is there along with old hair dryers and hair curlers and then into the laundry aspect of washing machines, washboards, cur um, irons, uh, also old toasters and fans and vacuum cleaners and then into kind of telephones, typewriters, uh, television set. Uh, and we do have a talking machine. We have a Victrola. And so it's kind of showing and especially for kids to see that things started out very large and then they've gotten smaller and smaller and really the telephones and the cameras have collided. Now you have the, the two in one people, unless you're really into photography, don't uh, go out and buy cameras. They're just using the good old cell phone. So a lot of people enjoy this. Um, the exhibit that's still up that was before that was called Made in Milford. And I wanted people even who had grown up here their whole life to go, I didn't know they made that or did that in Milford. And one of the big things that surprises people is the little wooden spoons that you would eat ice cream and Dixie cups with. They were invented here in Milford. There was a Mulholland spoon mill and John Mulholland had the idea to use um, sweet gum and he would bend it and shape it and make little wooden spoons. So that's kind of a surprise to people. Um, we don't have a huge building, but people that come in are very surprised that there's as much in here as there is. Uh, there's a military room. I wanted to recognize all Milfordians that saw service from Colonel John Hazlitt in the Revolutionary War up to the present day. Uh, there's a ladybug room. Our state bug is the ladybug, and that is thanks to a second grade class in 1974 that had read in their weekly reader uh, that Maryland got a state bug. And they said, well, why doesn't Delaware have one? So they voted on three things, the cricket, the mosquito, or the ladybug. So I'm very glad that they picked the ladybug. And the woman who was the teacher has moved to Florida and she gave me a huge collection of all the ladybug stuff that had been given to her. And then we have a large ladybug statue outside on the front steps of the museum. Uh, then we have a room that talks about um, Milford's African-American community. In 1954, Milford was the first school district to try integration. There were 11 black students and unfortunately it only worked 28 days um, outside rabble rousers, stirred up the community and then these children either had to go to Dover or to Georgetown to finish their education. Finally, in 1965, the first integrated class did graduate and so we recognize the first black police officer and city manager and our current mayor and a lot of the ones that who have made contributions to the community. Uh, the other big thing, of course, is the shipbuilding. And that's where the Sussex County side developed because of shipbuilding. Uh, there were like 18 different shipyards at one time. There is one that is left and they were able to make the transition from the wooden boats into motorized ones and even had contracts for subchasers during World War I and World War II. And when you look at this small little river, you wonder how all of these large vessels could have been built and gotten out to the bay from here. So there's a wonderful history and story of shipbuilding in Milford. 
We also have an exhibit on the history of the hospital that was here, um, the history of the schools, a lot of other little cases of things. So um, I think this probably sounds like uh, we, we have jammed a lot in here. <laughs> of all those things, what would you say Milford is most known for? That's a good question. There's a, have also been nine governors of the state that have come from Milford. Our only female governor, Ruth Ann Minner, still lives here in town. Um, I think people are realizing that it's a place to stop and to check out instead of just zipping by on Route 1, going to the beach all the time. And we're finding more and more people that are doing that. They said, you know, we've come here every summer. We're starting to branch out. We want to visit the little towns to see what their stories are. And a lot more people are moving to Milford. Finding prices are a little more affordable than uh, <laughs> Lewis and Rehoboth. And there's still a lot of historic houses that are, are, are in need of loving care. And so people are purchasing them and then becoming very involved in the community. So that's a wonderful thing. That is. Are there a lot of historic houses that are refurbished and do you have a like a historic district? There are, yes. There's a historic district and we're just putting up an exhibit uh, listing all of these houses because people are coming here and wanting information. They said, oh, I'm going to buy this house and what do you know about it and what are the early pictures look like? So we're happy to, to help them with that and then connect them with the Historic Preservation Office there with HCA to uh, move on to whatever next step they want to take. Shifting back a little bit more back to the museum, what is the target audience? You said you had exhibits for kids, like the Then and Now exhibit, but also obviously more complex things like race relations in Milford. Um, so what's really the target audience? Really two. It's, it's becoming the, uh, it's the come here's and from here's. It's our, our locals that come in and wanna see the new exhibits and see the things that they have donated on display. And then really it's um, the new people moving here that want to learn about the town they're living in and a lot of out-of-town visitors because we're only a few miles away from Abbott's Mill and all the walking trails that are there. We're a few miles to the east then of the DuPont Nature Center. Um, so we're, we have a river walk along here and there are more and more people that are interested in the nature also and, and what's going on and wanting to find all these little places. Do you have a favorite aspect of Milford history or a favorite story that you've learned over all your time working down there? Well, I grew up in Milford and I knew nothing about Milford history. I went first through ninth grade here. You never got it in school. Maybe in fourth grade, you got a little bit of Delaware history. And I remember going to Dickinson Mansion a long, long time ago. Um, we have been trying to work with the schools and getting that them back in because I think it's important for locals to have, you know, some knowledge of the amazing things that happened and the discoveries and the inventions and the early businesses. Um, I love all the old photographs that we have to compare uh, how places looked and uh, what business was like when the main street was the big thing on a Friday night and Saturday night before all of the, the shopping centers and malls came in. And so we're, we're kind of starting to have a resurgent with some more restaurants coming in, more little shops. Um, I'm looking forward to there being more places for people to come and you know spend the day, enough to see and enough to do. That's certainly a great vision. Um... Could I just backtrack a little bit and ask more about your time in collections and kind of how your work 
there at the HCA collections transferred to your work now running the Milford Museum? <laughs> okay. Um, when I started with the state, I worked as an archaeological assistant at the Island Field Museum at South Bowers when that first opened. And then the woman who was my boss realized everything was hand typed or handwritten onto accession cards. And this was in the, the days, the beginning days of computers. Technically, I was the first person in HCA to have a computer. And I said, this stuff has got to be computerized. So I start with accession number one and entering that information, that unique number that ties it back, the object back to a person, back to a story, all these things that you don't want to lose. And so that's what I was doing. And my office started out uh, when we were all in, in the archives together and then moved to Rose Cottage. And then they built the storage facility out at Tudor Park. Um, and I moved everything there from the second floor of the Johnson Victrola Museum and the basement and the basement of the other two museums that were up front, you know, physically moved everything out to Tudor Park. And of course, now it has evolved again out to a new collection center. And so that's wonderful to take care of the objects. Uh, what I really want to see HCA do is get them on display, get them out so people can see all these things, because it is an amazing collection of Delaware objects. We were talking last week with um, Paul Nasca. Okay. Saying there's about like, 20,000 objects in collections these days. Uh, uh, I just don't know a how lot you... more than that. Put another more? zero on there. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands. Yes. Uh, if you're including archaeology, it's way beyond that, sure. Mm -hmm. But at least 100,000 or more with the historic collections, yes. Yeah, I don't know how you get all of those artifacts on display, just <laughs> <laughs> to any extent at all, even with all the state museums. Yeah, yeah. With changing exhibits, it's a lot of things. Um, I, for five years, I wasn't able to do my collections job because I was suddenly told, guess what, for two months, you're going to put a number on all the artifacts coming up from the Debrock. So I was the, the state representative there in Lewis working in the, in the warehouse, uh, taking care and monitoring all of those collections coming up. And that was just an amazing opportunity for me, too. Yeah, I've heard that was completely unintentionally found. They just, artifacts just started coming up on the beaches and then someone had no, to that was a, them. No, that was a different shipwreck down on Lewis Beach with the Debrock. Um, there were salvers that were specifically had been looking for it for years and they were using side scan sonar and going down and looking for wrecks in the area and then found one of the, the right time period and were first coming up with some of the cannons. So they knew that they were on uh, almost the right ship anyway. Yeah. And you said that turned into a, from a two month gig into a five year. Yeah, sort of. just about five years. <laughs> So that was quite a learning experience and, uh, and, and enjoyable for me anyway. What was your favorite part of your time working at the HCA? Oh my goodness. Almost saying like it is here. I like making that connection um, of finding something and going, what is this and where did it come from? And they used a lot of different numbering systems early on with HCA and then realized that if something was on loan, they would switch the numbers or, or figure, you know, this type of thing. So I, I like knowing that I think I've made a difference in keeping stories and information together with an object so that's not lost for the future and the next generation can continue what they're doing with their research. I was just thinking about it when you're talking about education in Milford, 
I've uh-huh. been doing a lot of research on the Milford 11. Uh, oh, yes. The Milford Museum is ever going to have some sort of display to talk about that? That is in our African-American um, exhibit display. I am good friends with Orlando Camp, who wrote the book and have encouraged him to get it reprinted, which he has just done. And we, we are scheduling him right now to give another presentation here in Milford sometime this fall. And the gentleman, Charles Hammond, who is president of our board, um, he was kind of the next group that's known as the Milford Seven. So it was this group of uh, seven students, which were the first ones who did officially graduate from the school uh, here in Milford. So we will be having a program about them. And uh, Orlando is a fascinating person to talk to. He's most enjoyable, whether you have chatted with him yet or not. Not quite yet. Um, but when you say he's going to be doing a program, what does that mean? Um, he'll be he'll be talking about his experience, what it was like, and uh, as, as part of that class, why his ideas, why it did not work, you know, at that time, and uh, then what they had to do, and what their schooling was like, and what it was like growing up um, as an African American in the Milford community. Does the museum put on other programs like that, bringing in speakers and such? We used to. COVID has just, of course, changed everything. And so haven't gotten back to scheduling any of that because who knows what this this fall and winter is going to do. But in the past, yes, we have. What are some of the other speakers that you've brought in? Oh, on on baseball. Baseball was always a really big deal here in Milford since the late 1800s and we're part of the Eastern Shore League. So we've had speaker on that. Um, there's there are people that are doing research and all now on, on Slaughter Beach and that whole area and that summer community. Everybody almost moved out of Milford and moved down to Slaughter Beach to catch the breezes in the summertime. How long have you been at the Milford Museum? Um, this is going on 11 years. Wow. I know. <laughs> Time goes by really fast. Is retirement anywhere on the horizon for you? or is um, um, In a couple years. Um, my husband and I like to travel. Actually, then we have just returned from three weeks in Africa, which was an amazing wow. safari experience. He was the founder and director of the Air Mobility Command Museum on the Air Force Base. So we met at museum conference many, many years ago and uh, enjoy our love of museums and uh, collecting and just gathering information and sharing the stories. Wonderful. So who would run the Milford Museum after you're gone? That's a very good question. <laughs> I, I need more volunteers. I need more people right now. And uh, so I would, would, you know, still stay involved with the objects, but we might have to go farther afield to look for an executive director. Hmm. Well, there you have it, listeners. If you have any extra time on your hands, please go and help out Miss Leister down at the Milford Museum. I hope you'll come and visit. <laughs> and if you can't do that, please just keep listening to our podcasts wherever you're finding them. Until next time.